Welcome to the Books of Titans podcast, where I seek truth in the world's best books. I'm your host, Eric Rostad, coming to you from the beautiful Books of Titans studio in Franklin, Tennessee. My goal is to read 52 books per year and share what I'm learning. I'll talk a bit about each book, tie ideas together from a variety of genres, and share the one thing I always hope to remember from each book. Today, I'm going to cover The Viking Heart by Arthur Herman, How Scandinavians Conquered the World. This is book 49 of 52 for my 2022 reading list. Well, I grew up in Minnesota. Uh, most of my family was from Wisconsin. And my whole life, I was told this, that uh, three of your grandparents are Norwegian, and one of them is German. And so I did that 23 and Me a few years ago, and it came back, and it said that I was 74% Norwegian slash Swedish, and 15% French German, and 10% uh, other other European, uh, other Western European. So it was pretty close to what I, I'd been told my my whole life. And uh, when I grew up in Minnesota, uh, I I just remember a lot of. Uh, Norwegian influence, and that was in my family itself. Uh, my grandparents they would they would sing Norwegian Christmas songs. I remember that uh, they had Norwegian sayings around the house, and um, it was just you know a, a part of life and something that was honored and uh, that my grandparents were proud of, and just something that was around as well. Uh, there were Norwegian restaurants, uh, just, just part, part of the culture where, where I grew up in, in Minnesota. And so I've always been interested in that past and, and in that history and have always wanted to learn more. So as part of this reading project, I've, I've tried to add, um, a couple books each year f- about Norway. Um, and and so this year I had one towards the beginning called the Longships, and that that was a work of fiction, but it it kind of wove through different parts of of history, and and then I had this book as well, and and I decided between this book and another one that was called uh, Children of Ash and Elm, and I actually bought that one for my dad, and what he told me about that book, it it's not what I was going for. And and so I'm glad I read this one, The Viking Heart, because this was really what I, I was going for. And what I was going for was just a kind of a, a broad overview of of Scandinavian history. Uh, so Norwegian, yes, but but it also encompassed uh, Norway, Sweden, Denmark, and, and then later Finland. And so this kind of gives a broad scope of that early history, but then also more recent history as well. And then also immigration from Scandinavian countries to, to America. So I, w- I was really interested in that, just with that being part of my my earlier family's story. Uh, I, I wanted to learn more about that. So this this book covered a lot in that, just the, the history side of things, but then also uh, immigration to to America. So I'm, I'm glad I read this one. And part of the reason I, I, I ended up choosing this one over Children of Ash and Elm was that it was written by Arthur Herman. And I read his book, How the Scots Invented the Modern World, uh, probably 10 years ago or so. And I, I really enjoyed that one. And, and that, that helped me learn a lot about Scotland. My wife and I traveled to Scotland almost yearly and just absolutely love the country. And so uh, that that was just a fun book to to read and and uh, and then uh, kind of experience and go to some of the places that I that I read about in in that book. So this book, how Scandinavians conquered the world, 
how do they do it? Well, uh, it, interestingly enough, it, it's through what Arthur Herman calls this Viking heart. And so what is the Viking heart? Well, that's what this book attempts to to identify and and talk about certain traits of the Vikings. What were they known for? So what were they known for then? But then also, what were they? What are they known for today? So when we talk about the Vikings, when we talk about Scandinavians of old, uh, when we talk about the Norse, the Norsemen, the the Northmen, what uh, what what are we talking about? Were, were there common traits? Were there common things that they lived for that they were known for? And so that's what this book goes into. And what was what was common in those four countries mentioned earlier, Norway, Sweden, Denmark, and Finland. So there are three three big things that stick out and and three big things that are are the main parts of this book. And so there's this conquering through warfare, and that's kind of the early history. Then there's conquering through trade and influence. And that's kind of a, a middle middle-ish part of the book. And then there's conquering through ideas. And that, that kind of is towards the end where, where Arthur Herman talks about certain individuals who, who are Scandinavian and how they influenced history. And what's interesting about all of these different areas, so conquering through war, warfare, trade, and then ideas, is that they, they, they all happened through boats, and so if you look at the cover of this this book, it's a it's a Viking ship with with that square mast and and it's coming right towards you uh, in in that picture. but but it captures a lot of what's going on here because through warfare, uh, a lot of the warfare was by sea. And so they were traveling by sea or the battles were by sea. and and there, so there's a big component of these long ships uh, in warfare. Later on, these these longships, the, these these boats, they were used for trade and influence in in Europe, and then these these you know bigger boats later on uh, led to the immigration and, and allowed people to immigrate from these Scandinavian countries to to America. So it's just kind of neat too, just how boats played a big part in that. So for reading stats, this is a 419 page book. It took me 13 hours and 17 minutes to read it. That was over 13 days, so I averaged about 32 pages per day and read it between November 17 through 29. For the rest of this episode, I will uh, do two more segments. So the segment two, I'll cover three three ideas from the book, three uh, three kind of themes, ideas that, that stuck out to me. And then in segment three, I'll cover the one thing, my one key takeaway from The Viking Heart. Well, if this book sounds interesting to you and you have some deep desire to, to support this podcast, the best way you could do so would be to buy this book from Landmark Booksellers. I'm the business manager there. We're located in Franklin, Tennessee. If you're ever in town, you've got to stop by because it's the, it's the greatest bookstore. It just it, it, it feels like a bookstore and we sell old and new books, but this is, this is one we have in stock. So I will link to the, to the book for, from Landmark in our show notes. Uh, the show notes for for this episode, and then if you use the the coupon code Books of Titans, that'll get you ten percent off of the book. So now uh, back to the book. I want to highlight three different ideas, and the first one is just the sagas. So the Scandinavian sagas, uh, you've probably heard of some of them. And um, what was cool in this book, and and especially right now, I, I'm kind of gathering ideas for books 
for the next phase of this reading project where I'll be going through the great books. And some of those great books will include some of these sagas. So throughout this book, The Viking Heart, Arthur Herman talks about a lot of these sagas. And so he'll tie these sagas together with real life events. So maybe he'll be talking about a particular battle and, and then say, you know, this one is mentioned in this saga. Or he'll, he'll talk about different time periods of when these sagas would have been been compiled and, and put together. And, the, and a lot of these sagas started off as uh, oral tradition. And so they would have been spoken uh, around a campfire. And then at some point they were, they were written down. The other way that they're tied together is just in the location. So where these, these sagas either were written or they, where the events would have taken place. So that, that was very cool. So, and, and I'll probably come back to this book at, at the point where I read these sagas, some of these sagas for that great books project. Um, he also ties a lot of the North Norse mythology into these sagas, but then also shows how the sagas and Norse mythology, how they impacted some of our, our modern story, stories that we're familiar with. So things like Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, and Harry Potter. There's actually a, a, quite a few sections in the book where he talks about Tolkien, he talks about fantasy, and that sort of thing, and just tying it back to these sagas. So I really enjoyed that. I, I, I really found that to be interesting. And, and also, uh, I, I know that I'll be using this book as a resource later on, but I, I did want to read some of these these pieces from from the book that that talk about these sagas and and then tying it together with fantasy. So first off, here on page one hundred eight, all the surviving evidence indicates that the peoples of the north built their gods' mythology into a profound poetic art, something their German cousins never did. Perhaps there was simply more time around the fire in the deep of winter to think about and embellish these ancient stories. Perhaps their wider range of voyages and experiences triggered a desire to understand the cosmos on a deeper level. One might say that, like today's fantasy fiction, authors and fans, the Vikings were staunchly committed to other world building, or creating an imagined reality in such exquisite detail that it seems truly real. Certainly, world-building as a literary and religious exercise radiates from the various Icelandic sources, and it enables, to a certain extent, an understanding of Norse religion. These writings, like the so-called Poetic Edda, have no parallel in anything we know from Germanic sources. End quote. So I, I liked that in, and in recent episodes, especially about the wing feather saga that I, that I recently read, uh, the author of that, Andrew Peterson talked about that idea of, of other world building. Uh, so in, in the start of the wing feather tales, the last book, there's an introduction by Andrew Peterson and he, he talks about the, the creation of the wing feather saga and how it started with actually creating a world. And then the story just kind of, uh, emanated from that. And so I, I, I liked that connection with with reading this and just the the sagas and, and connecting it to to Norse mythology as Arthur Miller did in what I just read there. Here's another uh, part on page one twenty two. The rites and stories and parables recorded in the 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 Eddas uh, and other sagas taught life lessons about courage, loyalty, human vanity, and ambition, and the life and hope that can spring up from the darkest night or the desolation of Ragnarok. They express deep truths about the human heart and not just the Viking version of it. The persistence of those myths more than a thousand years later and their continuing popularity in the form of more recent epics like The Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, the Harry Potter series, and Star Wars 
strongly suggests that this is true, end quote. Uh, another part, Arthur Miller talks about the sagas and how, how they were oral and how that, just stating them around the campfire, that it, it led to this, what he called the saga, that he says the sagas were the literature of a democratic society. And so he talks about it in this sense of what you said and did mattered more than what you, you or someone else wrote down. By contrast, the oral culture is constantly open to new additions and interpretations and iterations based on the audience and the perspective of the speaker or the reciter. And then he says the sagas are the literature of a democratic community. So I, I, I found that really interesting as well. Um, just you think about how these would have been created. They would, they would have been, they would have been oral for a long time, uh, perhaps like the Iliad or the Odyssey. And then at some point it, it's, it's written down. Last thing I want to say about the sagas is, uh, this, this thing called the skalds and the skalds were the epic poets of the courts of the Kings of Norway. That's just, that's really cool. Uh, you just envision almost like the court jester, but these were the skalds. These were the, the balds, maybe the, the, uh, the poets of the time. And so the skalds, uh, just remember that word, S-K-A-L-D-S, the epic poets of the courts of the kings of Norway. So that was first, first idea theme that, that stuck out to me in this book is, is the sagas. Second one is, is immigration. So, uh, I have right next to me here on my desk. I, I just I found it uh, while I was reading this book. My aunt put together a list of all the Eric namesakes that w- that were found in my family history from 1635 until today. And so um, my cousin's son is is named Eric as well. So that's the final Eric on on this list. Uh, but it just goes through all these different Erics, and and most of the Erics are are in Norway. Uh, but then there there's this Eric that was born in 1850, and his next to his name it says Norway, and then it says United States. So at at some point along in in that person's life, uh, I, I believe those were some of my ancestors that that came to to the United States from Norway, and, and they, they ended up landing in uh, Wisconsin. Uh, they, they made their way to Wisconsin. So it was really fun in this book to read about the different waves of immigrants, how they came, where they likely entered, and, and all of that. And then also just why would Scandinavians have come to America? Were they, were they starving? Was there religious persecution? Uh, wh- what were the reasons? And so I just want to read one one paragraph here from page 222. But America had a special appeal for Scandinavians and vice versa. 19th century America needed the energy and focus of a people willing to work hard in clearing virgin land, building a farm and raising a family, often in a barren landscape, in order to create a lasting future for themselves and their posterity. Scandinavians happen to have these qualities in abundance. Like their Viking forebears, Swedish, Norwegian, Danish, and Finnish immigrants were looking for new New horizons to conquer, but also new environments in which to make a home and shape a way of life that combined individual achievement with a devotion to family, church, and community, key ingredients of the American dream. Um, I'll end the quote there. He, he does go on to, to talk about other reasons that um, that they came. But but yeah, just, just reading about that and, and kind of envisioning uh, some way in way in my past family of, of when they would have, have made the trek over here and 
and uh, how I'm here right now because of, because of those those decisions. Uh, I I don't think I'd ever read this much about that process of Scandinavians going to to America. So that was the second big thing that stuck out to me. And then the third was just the the history that is covered in this book, and in 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 particular how Scandinavians played a part in that history. So it covers a lot of ground. Uh, obviously, it's a, a top level overview. Uh, you know, from here, I can, I can find other books that dig into, to deeper parts of this, but you learn, for instance, about the Scandinavian influence in Normandy. Uh, you learn about the arrival of Christianity in, in Norway and in other, other Scandinavian areas, and then later Protestantism as well. And so how did that happen? Was it violent? Was it, uh, was it peaceful? Um, did it experience a lot of the rupture that happened in, in, continental Europe or, or was this, uh, was, was there something different? And so, so you learn a lot about that in, in this book. Another thing is just the history of, uh, for instance, says he, Arthur Herman says the Norwegians and Danes conquer were the conquerors of Ireland and Scotland. And then the Swedes were, the, were what he calls the makers of Russia. So learning about the, the split as well. So you, you have a lot of Scandinavian influence in the West. And I, I think I'd heard, a lot about that, especially with Scotland and just traveling to Scotland a lot and, and, and hearing and learning about the the Viking uh, entrance into Scotland at different points of that history. And so I knew about that, but I, I didn't know uh, as much about the Scandinavian influence in France or other areas of Europe, and then also on the Eastern Front as well and, and into Russia. Uh, it kind of seems like Scandinavians went as far as uh, and up to China, and perhaps didn't make it into China, but but made it to the to the Middle East. Uh, there are a lot of coins from the Middle East, for instance, that are in Scandinavia. Uh, you know, old old coins, that sort of thing. So uh, that that was neat. The the one thing on on history that that blew me away, and and I'm I'm just gonna have to read this uh, because this was this was so amazing, and and goes back to the cover of this book. The Greeks managed to secure the city where it opened to the Bosphorus Strait, making a seaborne assault impossible. But Oleg had a plan that would reinvent Viking warfare. Oleg commanded his warriors to make wheels, the chronicle tells us, which they attached to the ships. And when the wind was favorable, they spread the sails and bore down upon the city from the open country. When the Greeks saw the Vikings had converted their longships into land tanks, a first in military history, they lost all heart. They sent emissaries to Oleg and implored him not to destroy the city and offered to sub submit to such tribute as he should desire. The result was one of the greatest treaties in Eastern European history, end quote. And I'll let you read more about that, that battle, but uh, that, that was amazing. Um, he took the ships, got them out of the water, put wheels on them, and then when the wind was right, ran those ships right into the the enemy uh, via land. And so again, we've got this this Viking longship uh, making making history. Uh, and that was one of the more interesting things in in the history of the Scandinavians. Now in segment three where I cover the one thing, my one key takeaway from this book. And I had a hard time narrowing it down for for the Viking heart. And, and I think in the last segment where I covered those three ideas and themes, if I think back to this book, it's kind of those overarching things that I, I 
think about that come to mind first, uh, whether it's this this grand sweep of history and how the Scandinavians were involved, or the immigration to the United States, just because that was such a big part in in my being here at this moment type thing. Uh, but I, if I were to narrow it down, it, it would have to be the Viking heart in the sense of the work ethic. And so let me just read a paragraph here and then uh, talk about it just for a little bit. To quote Weber, labor in a calling appears to him as the outward expression of brotherly love. The idea was also entirely new to European civilization, that the only way to live in accordance with God's will was not to withdraw into a monastic retreat, the the mistake of the Catholic Church had made, but to fulfill the obligations we have imposed upon us by our place in the world, whether as the lowliest servant or the mightiest king. The idea of the division of labor forces every person to see his or her work as ultimately a work for others, in the eyes of God and our better selves, and in fact to renounce those duties as the monk or nun does becomes the highest act of selfishness. Instead, to work and toil where we are, with whom we share family ties and community, and to excel at that work is to fulfill the will of God. Every kind of calling is equal in the sight of the Lord. In short, the primary goal of the Lutheran work ethic is not self-betterment, but the betterment of the community, end quote. And I, I skipped around there a little bit on, on some different parts, but but just that idea of um, of work as as being not this self-improvement thing, but uh, to better the community and to just be where you are and to live and work where you are. And so to do what is in front of you, not to pine for this other thing way over here that that uh, that you can't grasp, but you're you're in a certain place, you're with certain people, do do your part there and for the betterment of the community. There, there's a, this other idea that tied with that, where where Arthur Miller says Arthur Miller Arthur Herman says that uh, that this work ethic included finding the sacred in the secular, and and I just liked that idea, and uh, just that that work ethic of of doing what you you should where you are. To recap, uh, this book provides a brief overview of Scandinavians in the world. Uh, the history that they were a part of, and is a great starting point to learn more about Scandinavian history. I liked that it included the story of immigration to America for for many Scandinavians, and this is the exact type of book I was looking for in learning more of a of a broad history of of Scandinavians. Uh, if you if you're interested in Scandinavia. Uh, if you if that's part of your family history, this would be a great book. Uh, also, the the book I mentioned earlier of about Scotland that Arthur Herman wrote is another good another good one as well. If if you're interested in Scotland, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you for listening. I would love to hear from you. You can email me at eric's eric at booksoftitans.com. Let me know what you th- thought of of this book if you've read it uh, or if you have another recommendation for a book about Norway or Scandinavia. You can buy this book from Landmark Booksellers and again I'll have the link in the show notes. Just use the coupon code Books of Titans to get 10% off. I'll be back in a week or two covering another book from this year's reading list. So until then, keep reading, keep learning, and keep listening. I'm out.